0: Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Theology in the Raw. I have on the show today, my uh, good friend, we go way back to college, uh, Jesse Manassian. Jesse Manassian runs a ministry uh, for teen girls. The, the website is called Life, Love and God, where teen girls find answers. Jesse is also a, a a writer, not just a writer, like she writes books, um, because that's what Christians do. She's she's actually a gifted writer, an incredibly good writer. She has a degree in journalism um, and has written several really good books. Most of them kind of are directed towards teen girls. Um, uh, and I talk about them in the podcast. The one that I would highly recommend is called Unashamed, Overcoming the Sins No Girl Wants to Talk About. Um, another good one is Crushed why guys don't have to make or break you. And uh, Jesse is just super thoughtful, um, super honest. We have a really good conversation uh, about purity culture, about the Billy Graham rule. I know some of you have heard me kind of wrestle out loud with how I feel about that. Um, Then we do talk about modesty. Remember back in the day when like if a girl – wore something a little too tight, then they would be blamed for inviting the lust of all the guys. And all the shame was heaped upon girls for, um, you know, causing their brothers to stumble. Well, we we'd navigate uh, s- some of those issues and we do sort of very, very honest way. I hope you enjoy it. I'm sure you won't agree with everything we throw out. But none of us are really, I don't know, we, we, we have a, a very open, honest, thinking out loud conversation about that. We also talk a lot about teen girls and the various challenges that are, you know, facing them today. Um, If you would like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash theology in the raw, or you can support me through Venmo. All the info is in the show notes. And also um, I do have a book coming out on February 1st, as if you've been listening to this podcast, you've heard me talk about it. Uh, The title of the book is embodied transgender identities, the church and what the Bible has to say, invite you to go check it out. If you're at all interested in a, um, I, what I would like to think is a thoughtful uh, Christian approach to the transgender conversation. It looks at a lot of testimonies, a lot of stories. It digs into what the Bible says about male and female identities. It looks uh, fairly thoroughly at a lot of the science uh, surrounding. Trans experiences It looks at Some philosophical questions And answers Various Well answers It responds to Various pastoral Or relational questions Like should I use The pronouns uh, That my trans friend Wants me to use What about bathrooms And changing spaces Um, How how should we think Through the The large increase Of teenage females Identifying as trans And much much more So go check it out On Amazon It's available for pre-order Okay Let's jump in our uh, Conversation with Jesse Manasseh. Hello friends, welcome back to another episode of Theology in the ROM here with a long-term friend, uh, Jesse Manassi. And Jesse is, we went to college together, I mean, we go way back, And uh, but Jesse has written several books. I've got your website open here. So um, Unashamed, uh, Overcoming the Sins, No Girl Wants to Talk About, Crushed, Why Guys Don't Have to Make or Break You. Um, I think I've read bits and pieces, if not, I think one of those I read the whole thing, the other one I read part of it. Uh, backwards Beauty, How to Feel Ugly in 10 Simple Steps, and then Family, How to Love Yours and Help Them uh, Like You Back. I mean, cool title, first of all. Oh, but thank you. as you can tell, I mean, these books, at least uh, a couple of them, uh, well, they are written mainly to, like, teen girls in particular, and that's been a big part of your life in ministry, right, is helping – teen girls sort through life to follow God, and um, that that's not an easy task as a father of teen girls. So anyway, thanks so much oh, for being me. on Theology in a the Raw.
1: Oh, well, first, it's an honor, you know, <laughs> that for a long time, I've long respected your ability to not only just the theological side, the integrity of the work that you do to be theologically accurate, mm-hmm. but your grace and ability to maybe... Yeah, just wrestle with the messy middle. I've always admired that, and have learned a lot listening to theology in the raw. (laughs) So I'm excited to be on this show, and really honored. Oh, thank Um, you. And yeah, to answer your question, those books were all part of a series for teen and college age girls called the Life, Love, and God series. And that was born out of a website that my started. Goodness. I feel like it's been 12, 15 years ago now um, where I was speaking to teen girls and they had lots of questions and I was like writing them back via email mm-hmm. and my husband said, Hey, wouldn't it be awesome and post those answers so that you don't have to keep writing the same thing over and over. Right. And this was back before blogging was cool and you could do it, you know, on your own. <laughs> and so we started that website and the really cool thing. We had this feature where girls could ask questions and, under the cloak of anonymity, because they didn't have to give their name, they started opening up about the stuff they were really struggling with. Mm. And it was really eye opening to me Mm. to see. Yeah, there were I mean, there were obviously a lot of questions about boys and relationships. And does he like me? Does he not? Should I ask him out? Should I tell him how I feel? Um, But there were also a Good number of questions uh, from girls struggling with eating disorders and self harm and sexual wow. addiction and um, some of these secret sins that they thought they mm-hmm. couldn't share with anyone, um, yeah. and so that's kind of how the Life, Loving God ministry was born, and um, have been doing that for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been interesting to see the shift over the past ten to fifteen years of what uh, girls are struggling with and how they're viewing some of these questions that we wrestle with as women how those have been um, influenced by our culture um, social media how that has influenced our desires to know whether we're beautiful to know whether we're lovable mm-hmm. um, and to know whether there's a God who would accept us despite everything we've done. I feel like those are yeah. the three core questions. So um, it, it's been quite a journey of walking yeah. with these girls and seeing into their 20s and, yeah. and early 30s and seeing where they're ending up. So,
0: I remember. Yeah, I totally remember when you started the website. I remember I, I think we were out visiting you guys or maybe shortly after it started. Uh, just because you were getting such an influx of of questions and stuff and oh so real quick the website is um uh yeah life love and god.com life love and god.com or if you just googled your well it's in the show notes somewhere i'm sure it'll make it its way in there so um people can check it out what are you you said you're you know the shifts that you've seen over the years so like what are some of the big picture shifts that the in the kinds of questions you're getting from 12 15 years ago to today
1: Yeah. That's a great question. I I really have been surprised in the sense that the core questions are the same. Like they still have desire for authentic relationship, still have a desire to know that they're beautiful, still wrestle with a lot of the same questions about God. But the biggest shift that I've seen has been with social media and those questions Have become the answers to those have become even more twisted uh, through what they're viewing. So that question, am I beautiful? For example, we'll take that one. Uh, Looking at Instagram, Mm -hmm. scrolling through the definition of what beauty is, has become what they're viewing in their Instagram feed.
2: Really?
0: Flat out. I mean, that's obviously that's that I hear that I, I would assume that. And I hear other people say that, but you're, you're in the trenches of not just one or two girls, but a bunch of like that is, flat out you've seen that to be true
1: i i i have and it's funny i mean we we can know that the the images are photoshopped that they're not real like there's Mm -hmm. apps literally that can shape your body in real time doing a video on instagram so that you're thinner wider hips bigger eyes whatever it is we know that these things are out there and still as girls looking at the images it it can become this feeling of i should be able to look like that um, it's it's a strange sort of neurological phenomenon oh, no. that I really can't explain other than to say, yeah, I mean, it actually is true. And then the other layer scene that has shifted so much on that same question of am I beautiful with uh, pornography being so rampant, the addiction to pornography being so just pandemic levels in the church, outside the church. Mm-hmm. The definition of beauty has shifted and changed to be very overtly sexual. So I, I mean, I just uh, saw a new music video out by two empowered female rappers where I, I know mean, what I you're could, talking I literally about. I could watch like 10 seconds.
0: That is insane. <laughs> that. that, that, that yeah. Yeah. Empower. We're so empowered. I'm like, wow. I, I just, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't, yeah. I'm not going to mention yeah, it because I don't, absolutely. I don't want people. I mean, it's basically, it's porn. I mean, it's worse than porn. <laughs> But it's just a music video. Exactly. I mean, it, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that I mean that that is a perfect example of how porn culture has infiltrated infiltrated mainstream pop culture, and so these girls are seeing. I mean, I I, I don't think we can blame young women for wanting to feel powerful in the sense that I mean, one in three to one in four women are sexually abused in some way in their lifetime, right? So there is an element of powerlessness. I think that, uh, young girls feel, especially when it comes to sexuality. And so they're seeing these women who are rich and who are vocal and who are dressing like porn stars. And they see that as, as powerful mm-hmm. and as beautiful. And so, it just gets really, really tricky and twisted, you, you know? Like, and so so
0: I, I, I know porn is always seen as kind of a guy thing and we've, we've gotten to a place where we acknowledge, Oh, it's girls could be on porn too. But are you seeing, is it like pretty high, at least growing percentage among girls or even teenage girls?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and the reasons why I think are, are different. I mean, part of it is we as females are still sexual creatures, especially, yeah. You know, and those uh, during puberty and shortly after puberty, God has designed our bodies to be more heightened sexually. Um, but I, I've been surprised by the number of girls I've talked to who have been introduced to porn and encouraged to watch porn with their boyfriends. And so here's this guy that supposedly loves them, who supposedly wants to be with them, who is saying, hey, we should watch this together and this will be good for our relationship. Um, that does, that does things girl. Yeah. <laughs> That's that sends some really destructive messages. So that's another way that girls I think are exposed and then get hooked by it. Um, I just mm-hmm. got a question on the website from a woman this week who is no longer a teen. She's in her marriage, but, um, again, assume, assume that it was very much a male problem. Doesn't feel like there's a lot of resources for, women, um, which is, which is true, Um, Traditionally, we have viewed it as a male problem, but Mm. it is for sure not just a male problem. And I don't know what the percentages are, but they're definitely growing. Mm. uh, The number of young women and uh, even older women who have porn addictions, and it's it's destroying them.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what are some after effects that you've seen of specifically teen girls that Got hooked on porn, and then then later on get married or whatever. Like, what have you seen any uh, destructive patterns in their in their own sexuality or sexual expression that results from that, or is it just kind of all over the map? Or, um...
1: That's a good question. I I don't feel like I can give an expert opinion on that because I don't always get to talk to these women or young women, you know, into their twenties and thirties later. Um, so there's only a few examples that I have of girls who I know had that addiction and then got married. Um, I would say one of the things I've noticed is just difficulty with, with healthy sexuality within marriage of either wrestling with, um, things that they were exposed to in the past, those images coming back up, or just a feeling of, sex is bad. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. because it was so tied to, to those experiences and young adulthood. Um, And when they were watching it, they knew it was bad. Mm -hmm. Um, So it just, yeah, it's, it's caused some unhealthy views, you know, of sex and of their own sexuality, I think later on. But I I think we have yet to see really the, the full outcome of what this is going to do in marriages, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the road.
0: Yeah, really. I mean, it's, it really is an epi- epidemic. I mean, it's it's, yeah, and it's it's. I don't see it slowing down. Like, <laughs> and you can put guardrails on, but I mean, it, You know these, you know, phone apps or whatever, right? I mean, Covenant Eyes, I think, is one of the most popular ones, and I, I think that can help. But there there is. Do you find that there are deep rooted heart issues that are kind of feeding into it, um, rather than just? you know, I don't know, curiosity, or I just feel like watching porn. I mean,
1: yeah, yeah, that's a, Yeah, I do. I do think that there are some deep rooted things and I think, yeah, curiosity, that physical addiction that comes from it. But I think the questions, am I beautiful and am I mm. lovable? At least from a female perspective, those do come into play. Um Yeah. It's, so like tricky. If, it's tricky. It's yeah. tricky to know. Sometimes <laughs> it's tricky to get to the root of it.
0: Right. Um, and and so this has obviously changed in your ministry over the last ten years or so. Just with, I mean, j- when you first started the website, smartphones, I guess, were just coming into being. So you don't have to deal with people walking around with the internet in their pockets. Um yeah. But that, I, I would imagine, that's been a huge catalyst for a lot of change and and the kinds of questions you're getting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, both both with the sexual addiction, but also eating mm-hmm. disorders. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it affects so many areas of our life, as you know, that yeah. it, it's just shifted culture so drastically yeah. in the yeah. past 10, 15 years.
0: So help me to understand this. I, I read a book by Jean Twangy called "I iGen. Um, here, this is have you have you read this yet?
1: Ah, uh, I have it on my list.
0: Okay, this is that uh, I was hold up there. R- fascinating book. I mean, if you if you have any kind of ministry towards teenagers, it's um or even a, if you're a parent of teenagers, it's a great great book, but um she talked about this kind of like this weird in like incongruence this this um between girls like you said, like 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 body image and looking at Instagram and social media and that that's kind of heightening this um introspective view of oneself and yet there's also this um retreat from typical social events so like to you know rather than going out with your friends to the movies to stay at home in your sweats in your bed and you know watch netflix while you're you know snapchatting your friend who's watching the same show or something or sexting your boyfriend yeah. or something it's just this weird like like you said there there's this body image kind of thing going on, but it's like, it's almost like you're still in your bedroom in your sweats though. It's not like you're going out and high heels and getting all done up. And is that, and even like the um, teenage pregnancy I heard is at an all time low, or at least much, yeah. much lower or even just sex outside of marriage. Like teenagers are having sex a lot later. Um, and I want, I know for me, I'm like, I don't know. Is it just cause they're on porn and they'll, <laughs> it's kind of curbing that. Yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah. is that, yeah. t- <laughs> it's just it's just a weird intersection of different things at play that you wouldn't think would go along with it or even like yeah you know i'll I'll drop my daughter off at school and you know i'll see girls with like a blanket they're bringing their blankets to school and they they're in their baggy sweats you know but then they're developing an eating disorder because they're looking at like but i just how does that it seems like it's it's like if you're going to school in your big blankie in your sweats you obviously don't care about body image or maybe you do i don't know it's I'm trying to wrap my mind around it. Um.
1: Uh, (laughs) Welcome to being a teen in 2020. (laughs) I tell girls, it literally, I say this lightly. It is the hardest time in history. I think to be a teenager, like it just, there's all these expectations and pressure and, Yeah, and I think some girls, uh, they respond to it in very different ways. Some are going to be like, well, I don't care what anyone thinks. I'm just me. I'm going to wear my baggy sweats. Mm -hmm. And then there's other girls who are going to, like, obsess about every detail of their outfit as they head to school. And I almost wonder if they're both kind of like two sides of the same sword of of just, like, not knowing how to cope with the pressures that they're feeling to be perfect, to get it all done, to – to yeah, to be in touch with everyone who's ever like friended them on his social media, yeah. and feeling more and more social anxiety going into social settings because they don't know how to have face to face relationships anymore as yeah. a whole. Um, It's a lot. It's a lot. I don't envy yeah. the place that they're at, and I'm just grateful that God is still bigger. Right? Yeah. Every generation and everything everyone has faced.
0: You <laughs> <it> can't be <laughs> discouraged when you. He- just look at all the challenges um and it, it's interesting going back to the body image stuff i th- and again i don't i don't have a stat for this but it seems like um unhealthy eating habits are much higher than they used to be Ke- teenagers aren't getting out and stuff They're, they are kind of on their phone i wonder if that's related i'm just thinking out loud i wonder if that's related to eating disorders because like instead of you know i feel like when i was a teenager i'd go to the gym and there's tons of Teens, early 20s, something, you know, like working out. Now, at least at my gym, I don't see that as much. And I've heard that like obesity has an all time high. People are eating like just crappy food and yet yeah. they want this impossible image. And so that's related to, well, I can just, I'm, the only way to get that is through an eating disorder. Is that, is yeah. that, uh, putting those pieces I, together, is that at all am I on some on something?
1: High, that is one of my suspicions. It, and I, I'm not a medical doctor, so I can't wait. But that definitely something I've observed just anecdotally. I think like just the stamp and diet is not anyone any favors. Yeah. And the you know, these young women who are already feeling a tremendous pressure to look a certain way, they don't know how to eat how if they knew how to eat well, their body would take care of itself. Their body would right. would naturally fall to the weight it should be, the size it should be. But because we're putting in so many extra calories and unhealthy calories in our bodies, um, they feel out of control. They feel like mm. they, they don't know how to to have a healthy body, a healthy body weight. Um, and so I mean, that's totally I don't know if you remember this part of my story, but I struggle with exercise bulimia in college. And that was totally the case for me. i went playing sports. So even though I ate terribly, I, you okay. know, stayed in fairly good shape through college. And then when I quit playing volleyball in college. Um, all of a sudden those, you know, late night pasta runs started catching (laughs) up to me and I felt completely out of control. And so the only thing I knew to do was to exercise every calorie off. And so that was something that I was trapped in for, for some time of just feeling like I, I couldn't, I couldn't eat more than I exercised. Um,
0: what what, what did you call it? An exercise bulimia?
1: Exercise bulimia. Yeah. So it's like, it's a purging of calories, but um, I don't know if this is TMI, but I couldn't make myself throw up. So,
0: okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I had
1: to exercise
0: it off. No, exercise is good. Like we, uh, obviously you're saying you did it excessively and for the wrong it motivation. Did, what, yeah. what, what did that look like? Are you talking like...
1: And, unhealthy way yeah i think it's more just like the relationship you have with food so uh, feeling tremendous guilt when i would eat and then not feeling a release of that guilt until i would you know see you've burned 476 calories on the treadmill or you know taking my five mile run or whatever um i mean i i love exercise still but i now have a much healthier relationship with food and so i can exercise Mm -hmm. for health and not to purge what i've eaten
0: okay Man, I'm feeling a little guilty because so I'm 44 and uh, my metabolism is shot. Um, and now it's like if I know I'm, if I know it's Friday night pizza night, I'm like, oh, dude, OK, I, I got to go. Do, I got to go do leg day at the gym and get that <laughs> metabolism cranking because it's I just it's dude, I used to go. You talk about late night pasta runs when we're at Masters in college. I would go to Taco Bell like two in the morning and literally <laughs> eat like 10 tacos. And wake up, wake up hungry, and like that was just a way. And now, like, if I don't exercise three or four days a week, um, and I don't do a lot, I, I maybe forty-five minutes or an hour. And that's you know, some some weeks are one day or none. None. Some are most. I would say maybe five. Um, if I don't do that though, and if I don't eat healthy, I I just can't burn. I can't burn it, man. It just sits there. I could eat like one <laughs> meal a day, and I was like, I don't get hungry. I don't. Um. But I'd love to eat. So I, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. We can have an intervention
1: um, another time.
0: <laughs> what's that?
1: So we can have an intervention another time yeah, about eating yeah. for fuel instead of.
0: <laughs> I, I just miss those days, just when you could literally. <laughs> <laughs> or the, the those jack-in-the-box tacos okay now oh
2: uh, there's a big two for debate a i don't know what is in
0: those things <laughs> i'm pretty sure there's some crack laced into them but i i and i can't i just can't do anymore i can't it'll destroy me um but i used to yeah a, easily put down a dozen they would just slide right down um <laughs> all right let, let, yeah, let's wasted i want to transition because i, I we, we had this so um Yeah, you were out at our house a couple weeks ago, and we were supposed to be doing this live in my basement right here, but didn't have time. Um, You were spending time with my girls, which was awesome. Uh, um, But yeah, so we started having this conversation about modesty and um, kind of how it's related to purity culture um, that we were both raised in. Um, I didn't know I was raised in it until kind of looking back, you know, we didn't know. I don't think it was called that then, but... um, we're raised in a purity culture where the, you know, we kind of like, especially in our context, Billy Graham rule, you know, guys, you know, keep women at an arm's length, you know, don't ride in the same elevator or whatever. Um, And that's kind of been dismantled a little bit and shown how that kind of um, way of living, especially as a young Christian guy has created some problems, you know, and yet I still, I still do wrestle with it. And, People on the podcast, you guys are out there, have heard me wrestle with this, and I'm not saying I have the right perspective, but I have. I, I didn't even know what the Billy Graham rule was until like a year ago. So I'm not. It's not like I've like been following Billy Graham or something. But um, I have in my life almost in just implicitly, like not even like being that aware, but have kind of naturally practiced a little more of that kind of social distancing <laughs> from from women, <laughs> just because I've seen so many. Well, one seen so many leaders fall. Two seeing um just unhealthy emotional attachment sometimes develop uh three early on, more so, I did the line between being nice and being flirty was really blurry for me, and I think I actually led people on in, in a wrong way and um I, I yeah, we were raised in a really conservative environment where you know protecting your ministry, put guardrails around the ministry, you know, make sure your secretary is eighty five you know and not twenty five <laughs> and um and even then, you know, don't talk to her, you know, like, <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. Help, help me to wrestle Okay. Let, why don't we start here? Cause I just kind of threw up all of you, but what, what have you seen as a Christian woman, um, some negative byproducts of guys who well-intentioned maybe want to protect themselves from falling into affairs or emotional attachments and stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Oh man. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So as a woman, I, I I feel like my views on this have really changed a lot too over the past, you know, 20 years, um, since college and, uh, doing more public ministry, doing ministry with other men, married men. Um, I, Hope as a church, my, I feel like ideally as a church, I would love for men and women to be able to do ministry together mm-hmm. with a brotherhood and a sisterhood. Where we have, you know, and when, when Christ talked about, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have families, you're going to have fields, like in the body, you're going to have more than you would have had alone. And and I would love to be in a place as a body, healthy as individuals, so, and doing business with our own sin and our hearts, so that when we rub shoulders with each other, we can see each other genuinely as brothers and sisters in Christ, sure. right? And to treat each other as such. And um, you know, for me, I think. And this ties into modesty, but we won't get into that yet. That, that can be safer for later. But I, there's a temptation, I think, for men, no pun intended, to view women as temptations and to view them as a body and to view them as something they need to keep at arm's length rather than seeing them as an individual who has a soul and thoughts and ideas and, and all of that um, at the same time, I totally validate your concerns over, you know, marriages falling apart, infidelities. The statistics are high. Um, pastors who you would think would know better who end up, you know, um, cheating on their wives with colleagues. And um, I, I feel like there's, there's a difference between having you know, casual interactions with a person of the opposite sex and being able to, you know, give a genuine hug yeah, is different from having lunch every Tuesday and talking about the deep things of life with that person. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I, I feel like in, in general, I would love to see more, um, more brotherly, sisterly affection, the ability for, for a guy that I know, you know, in ministry to be able to get a hug without like coming in with kind of the side, you know, it's like, <laughs> and then I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to offend you, you know? <laughs> but I'm a hugger. And so, yeah. you know, that could be my own experience too. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I would love to see some of that, but at the same time, you know, my husband and I have, um, just common sense rules too, you know, mm-hmm. about how much interaction, like I, I don't, as a general rule, text guy colleagues have you know lengthy mm-hmm. conversations. I don't go out to dinner alone with them, um, but in social settings, I I have no problem you know mm-hmm. being warm and friendly and right. um, giving hugs or you know asking yeah. them what they think about things. You know, I just I don't know. I that that's my very raw
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> I have thoughts there,
0: and I yeah, and I, and I yeah. I can just let, let just a fictitious kind of composite scenario. OK, like you typically okay. most people get married because they they fall in love. Right. And all these chemicals are going through your body. And we, we know just scientifically that your body can sustain that for about mm, 18 months. <laughs> and yet we are just so trained that this is what love is. I feel it. All, it's very just emotionally driven, which doesn't mean it's bad. I'm just saying it's not sustainable and it's not the it shouldn't be foundational. So then you do that, you get married, that all that stuff ends up wearing off. And best case scenario, you have a really good relationship. You're still attracted to each other. You work at it. You're aware that like those emotions that we first had that aren't there anymore. But you, we need to cultivate a more meaningful, de- in depth. You know, that's best case scenario. Most marriages end up getting. Then you have a couple kids, lots of fights you start being like, man, this marriage thing's really hard. And then all yeah. of a sudden you're at work, you have a female colleague. I do speak from a guy's perspective, but it can go yeah. both ways. You know, you're, you're, you're out in an environment where all of a sudden somebody else can very easily start to provide those same
1: yeah.
0: chemically addictive, like just, I mean, addictive in the real sense, the, these, these yeah. things Formation. that go through your body and the pleasure that you get just, just from that emotional connection. Um, like it, it, I, and i'm not saying that i'm not saying therefore put all these barriers on be a jerk even though i've fallen into that you know throughout my my life you know shut shut women out of my life but like i i don't know but to swing to the other direction and just be like well no it's my sister in christ and she has a soul and and, and it's not all about her body or like well yeah in in, in a utopian you know after jesus comes back sure but at the end of the day we do battle daily fleshly yeah. impulses you know and, and isn't for a husband or a wife to have a to develop some kind of almost emotional bond with somebody of the opposite sex even if it doesn't fall into a full blown affair like i mean i don't know we could yeah. just like, go there maybe I, even that alone yeah. is like
1: yeah there's so I read a really excellent book while I was uh, probably in the height of like traveling and speaking and being Mm -hmm. away from home I read a really good book called anatomy of an affair um I'm I'm forgetting the author's name right now but it was excellent excellent he over I think 30 year career like just does counseling with couples who um have had infidelity in their relationship and he kind of dissects it and kind of figures out what are the key ingredients that are common to each one of these things. And, um, I learned a lot in that and just being aware of, uh, the danger signs for me and for my husband and our relationships that we have outside of our family unit. Um, one is like just understanding your, like perfect partner profile, like the type of person that you would be attracted to. And it's usually someone who is very much like your spouse, who maybe is unmarried or seems more fun because they're not your spouse, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but have similar personality traits, yeah. um, things like, it, um, he calls it a dangerous partner profile. That's what oh. it was called. Um, and to just be aware that that type of person might be more, um, tempting for you if a couple other things are in line. So one, if you're having trouble in your marriage, like you described, like if you're, if you're fighting or you're not spending time together, if you're not working at your relationship, or uh, if you're stressed a lot, that's a yeah. um, marker. If there's a lot of stress and um, emotional stress, work stress, traveling. A lot. Um, yeah. And so he kind of looks at this, it kind of becomes this trifecta of temptation, right? If, if you, there, there's a. Um, I don't know, I feel like if we all kind of understood those key markers, it might be easier for us than to look internally and say, okay, in my situation, this relationship could be dangerous, and so I'm not gonna be as friendly or spend as much time with this person But then to not make it just a one size fits all, therefore, I can never spend time with any person of the opposite sex, you know, because of that. So it was interesting. I actually, um, while I was reading that book, was just very aware and I could Hmm. see relationships that I had, you know, in um, ministry or just personal relationships where I'm like, oh, yeah, I could see. Where if my husband and I aren't in a good place, that could be really tempting,
0: <laughs> and yeah, to be
1: able to cool. then you know set up some guardrails there and make sure that I'm being wise about it.
0: So almost just being honest with the fact that yeah, certain kinds of people, relationship situations could be tempting. So let's not be naive to that. Or even like I just learned recently that like willpower, it's um it diminishes throughout the day or something. It's it's like filled up mm-hmm. in the morning and it and I don't know how much to, you know I'm not a psychologist and I don't know how much to believe or whatever but i heard they're like yeah i mean uh, there is a reason why people typically do stupid stuff at night you know <laughs> when they've been stressed out when you add all these up and i don't know just being maybe aware of that you know late night drinks one-on-one with the colleague of the opposite sex might not not is not but might not be <laughs> yeah, the best but then i not. could hear <laughs> so i i've been recently having a lot of female um, academic scholars on on the podcast and um their their pushback has been and would be she's like okay even that um i can see that but um all you guys we're the only you know i'm the only one, one two in particular they're like the two women on faculty the rest are guys so when all the guys are going out for drinks with each other talking theology talking about their work building collegial bonds we can't do that or we can we i mean i i don't um Hey, yeah. bye, honey. I'm going out with the guys tonight. We're gonna, you know, go go out for drinks and talk about our academic work. Like they miss out on that, and I, I could, and I genuinely, I'm like, well, yeah, that I don't like that either. That's that's lame. Like, how do we? And, and part of it's there's such a mismatch. You know, there's 90 percent guys and only a couple women on on faculty, so that they don't really have the option of like, oh, well, me and all the women, female theologians, will go out and you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't yeah. know. It's.
1: That is tricky. That's a hard scenario. I have one similar to that, um, in my own and it, it, I'm not easily offended. So I I don't feel like I've been super hurt by it, but it's just, I I have thoughts like, that's a bummer that, that I can't be involved in that Mm -hmm. discussion group because I love theology Mm -hmm. and I love wrestling and I value, um, guys opinions because they differ from mine. And I feel like women's voices are unique god god designed his image in in to complete his image in both of us right and so we each bring unique characteristics to the table filtering things through different lenses mm-hmm. so that when we come together we can have mm-hmm. a more well-rounded view of who god is and how he's made us in our world yeah. um and i and I wonder, you know, sometimes those conversations are going when this particular group gets together around the fire with all men,
2: yeah. if,
1: if it would be different or if they would come to different conclusions, if they had other voices in there, yeah. um, female voices, maybe not, yeah. maybe they wouldn't. I mean, they're all really great guys who I'm sure, you know, talk to their wives that, you right. know, on the pillow and maybe get female perspective that way. But,
0: yeah. um, and I then, don't know for me, I, I don't, and I would, I would, I think I've got an amazing marriage, and I honestly, th- this I struggle in many areas. Having an affair is not one of them. like I, to me. <laughs> I don't know, and I don't want to be naive to that, but like I, um, I happen to have a, I think a really good, healthy marriage, an amazing wife, good friend of yours. I mean, I, um, she's a keeper. She's a keeper. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll, <laughs> hopefully, she'll keep me around for a while. Um, but I mean, I, I, I imagine, and I, I talk to people that have really. Just not that, you know, and I can only imagine that the extra, te- there's already temptation, um, just the extra temptation. Um, I don't know for me, I've gone around it. I just surround my, I surround myself with women that are lesbians. And so it's all good. To be <laughs> kind of <laughs> half, half joking there. <laughs> that, that is, yeah, it is an interesting dynamic that I, I spend a lot of one-on-one time with, you know, gay and lesbian yeah. people. Yeah. Um, you know, and that just throws a wrench in this whole conversation. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, it makes it more uh, interesting. But um, well, let's talk about, uh, well, just w- one more thing. I'm, I'm also like, should I be concerned about not just so the reason why I brought up my marriage is like, okay, I, I don't feel like there's a lot of potential dangers in life. I want to have guardrails up or whatever. But this one, it's I'm not as concerned about m- me falling Mm -hmm. again that absolutely could happen but should i be concerned about filling a void in somebody else's life um in an unhealthy way or is that not my concern and i've often given the illustration of you know like you i'm a a public person i'll speak on stage and as you know who you are on stage is not the real you it's like the instagram you it's the fake you it's you've you you know how to make the crowd laugh. You're saying something engaging. And you have this like fake person up there that I can imagine for anybody on stage could draw a certain level of attraction. Like, oh, my gosh, I wish my husband or wife, you know, was like that person. They have it all together, even though we don't have it all together um, like that makes me or should I be nervous yeah. about. Um, yeah, somebody developing an unhealthy attraction to this stage person that isn't a real person, or is that not my concern? Should I give the hug yeah. to the, the woman that wants to <laughs> talk to me afterwards? You know, I'm just being super raw and real. I know I'm going to get some yeah. emails for this, you guys. I truly, I'm just trying to. I truly want to navigate this well. That's that's my heart. Please hear me in that.
1: And I, feel, I feel like just that wrestling with that. I feel like God always cares most about our hearts. Like it always comes back to that. You know, are you are you engaging people after? an event because you want the attention or because you're genuinely trying to like meet someone where they are and give them the gift of your time and attention because that confers value to that person. Um, I think that's a big part of it. Hmm. Uh, it, it almost, when you were, when you were talking about that president it hit me for the very first time. I had never made this connection. Um, you know, the whole debate on modesty, like where does a woman's responsibility stop and a man's start Like, this is almost the opposite of that, right? Like, because women are more emotionally connected, Mm -hmm. like to have, you know, you up there preaching in your boxers is not going to be as (laughs) compelling for her coming up and being like kind and compassionate and all of that. Right. right. So I I feel like the answers to both of those are going to be somewhere in the middle of both.
0: That's interesting. (laughs) So so you're saying modesty and we're dealing with generalities here, obviously, but like Most, let's just say heterosexual women are going to be generally more attracted to the, the person, the kindness, the more than just the physical, um, so that in as much as the person should be concerned about their own modesty for women, it might be more physical for men. It might be more emotional, personal, or I don't know. Is that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. But then also then, you know, like women don't have to go around in burkas just because it might cause a temptation for their right. male brothers. Right. In the same way, I don't think you have to withhold being a decent human being because you might lead a woman to get a crush on you.
0: <laughs> you well, like, I so, mean? for instance, I, I have felt like very uncomfortable and not I haven't done like to affirm another woman's physical beauty. Hey, you look so good you look so beautiful I love the way you did your hair that dress oh my gosh you are working like I mean that, that might be a little excessive but I mean I I, I don't I even know part of me is like I will notice it I'm like I, I almost want to give them that affirmation but I'm like I don't know is that is that healthy coming if I'm not their father or husband or boyfriend or whatever or brother maybe I mean I don't I'd know. like to
1: hear it <laughs> Is that okay, I, I mean, that like <laughs> as a, in a tasteful way, not, like not like you're rocking that dress, but just like yeah. you look nice today, you know, like something like that or okay. in a in a way that a brother would, you know, like my brothers can tell me like you're a beautiful woman and I yeah. don't think that it's weird or, or awkward, you know, that they can give me a hug and I don't think it's weird or awkward. I feel like it's so much it's more than just that one compliment is it, how how do you? what kind of a relationship do you have with that person? I mean, Mm. you might not walk up to a total stranger and say, "Wow, you look really nice today, even though she'll really appreciate it. Um, but if you have, you know, more of a familiar relationship with someone, you know, that you have that rapport with them. I don't, I don't think that that's going to automatically cause her to stumble because
0: you tell her she looks nice. (laughs) No, that's good. So that, okay. I mean, I, in yeah, that's why I asked. I I had a woman in, in the store, um, she was probably she looked a little probably old maybe 10 years older than i am and um I'll, so for my youtube i've got gray hair coming in all over the place right and she she said um what did she say it caught me so off guard i've never heard anybody say this but she and it was a really tasteful way really tasteful wasn't it? again she was um I, I didn't sense any kind of like connection happening away but she was like um excuse me i just want you to know you have like really good gray hair like you like something like that and I, I'm kind of a little self... I'm like, oh, I'm losing my youth. It's so great. When I get a haircut, it's gray everywhere. I'm like, man, I used to be 25, you know, eating tacos. Um, And I was like, thank you. But I was like, are you flirting? No, I don't think you are. Just, wow. Thank you. Like, I actually... Yeah, man, it, it, I don't know. So that maybe, yeah. maybe more of that yeah. can be good.
1: I... I... I tend to, I, I feel like we need a little more of just genuine compliments for each yeah. other, whether it's, yeah, I, I'm sure you walked a little taller that day and took your hat off a little more because you knew, like, yeah. oh. and then I came home and told my wife, did
0: you know I had awesome, great hair? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> totally. No, I feel like, and, and again, it's going back to our hearts, right? Like, yeah. if, if it's given with the genuine intent of being kind and of making someone's day, not to be flirty, not to try to get anything in return. I feel like that, you know, if they end up twisting that into something or, or wonder if you meant more like that's, that's really not your responsibility in the same way that, you know, if I'm wearing an outfit that, you know, I've put on because I feel like it's tasteful. Mm -hmm. There may be someone who may still look at me and think, Oh, that's, that's showing too much skin or that's Mm. too tight. You know, well, that's, that's not necessarily my responsibility,
0: you know? All right. So let's talk about modesty. I know you only got a few more minutes, but (laughs) okay. So I, um, am a heterosexual male. Um, I have three teenage daughters. Um, before I was a Christian, um, I was driven by just lust. Anything, the little slightest little thing physically I would notice, and in every single guy I talked to that was also heterosexual, or even in high school maybe faking it, whatever, it was across the board. You know, I play baseball, athletes. I mean, I mean, most, the overwhelming majority of heterosexual males have incredible. They're so just. It's it's hard to describe to people who haven't embodied that kind of whatever. Now, as a Christian, didn't go away. It's just now like now it's a battle. Now it's discipline. Um, but I, when I hear some women downplay modest – and so let me say this for the record. I might have to say this like 10 times in the next 10 minutes. I am not at all saying that women are to blame for a man's lust. That is 100%. I'm the moral agent. I'm to blame. It's men. It is not on the other uh, woman who maybe is dr- dressing more provocatively. Um, I want to make that super clear uh, that nothing I'm saying is is changing that. Um, I'm just acknowledging the reality that um, most, again, most heterosexual males have an uncontrollable temptation that they battle. Even Christians. I, I was a good Christian. I am a <laughs> was <You're> a <laughs> In the good past, Christian. I used to be a good Christian guy. I was a good, like, I really wanted to do the right thing. And I'm telling you, it was a minute-to-minute battle. Um and I'm talking to every single other guy that's honest, it's exact same way. So now I'm raising three teenage daughters and I'm I would love your your perspective here. I'm very honest with them. Yeah. I just say, "Hey, look, when you're going around just so you know, almost every single guy is going to be undressing you with his eyes." I don't say that to creep you. I'm just saying those are the facts. Um those nice you know, Christian boys over here, there's nice Mormon boys there. They're doing exactly the same thing. In fact, most of them are probably addicted to porn. And so they're envisioning even you in their sort of porn fantasy. I'm just saying, these are the facts. Um, You can dress how, well, they're still under my authority. They can't just dress however they want. But like, I I would, um, how you dress should in part be, these decisions should be made with that awareness of the facts of the reality am i doing anything wrong with is that is that um <laughs> and Long i'm not way. saying look I, I my girls they dress they wear mid dress stuff they wear bikini like uh, we're actually not a very prudish family but we do we are yeah. concerned like hey that's a little too low hey that's too tight hey if you wear those spandex pants this is what every guy in the store is going to be thinking
1: yeah Yeah. Oh, goodness. All right. I've got like a million thoughts and we don't have time for all of them. So I'm going to try to condense it (laughs) into like the crash course of where I've landed after... Yes, both. (laughs) Yes, I mean, I I get it. I mean, I I have enough men in my life, my husband, brothers, brothers like you who are honest about the struggles that they're visual creatures that God has designed the female form to be intoxicating to a man. Mm -hmm. So as a woman, I want to be dressing in a way that is going to keep guys looking me in the eyes to the best of my ability to dress with dignity, to not be wearing things that are going to inflame, like, or not inflame, yeah. but just to, to make it really hard for a guy to look me in the eyes. Yeah. Um, at the same time, <laughs> I'm dealing with a lot of young women who have such body-shaming mm. issues that some of them won't even put on a swimsuit and get in a swimming pool. And so for these girls, oh, I'm like, I want you to be confident enough to, not, to be able to put on a swimsuit no matter what size your body is, to enjoy your body for what it was made for, go run, go play, go swim, go run in your run shorts, you know, mm-hmm. without worrying that a guy is undressing you with his eyes and to, to be confident in who you are. So I'm, I'm dealing with these opposite yeah. ends of the spectrum where some girls just so want that attention and have been fed the lies that – to be powerful as a woman, you have to assert your sexual power over men, right? Because they, we have inherent power in our bodies to intoxicate a man, so we can use that to our right. to our advantage if yeah. we want to. And so we have girls on one end of the spectrum who are using that power like a power tool and, and trying to get what they want, which is affirmation for who they are through their bodies. Mm-hmm. And then we have the other end of the spectrum who are so worried to show any part of their skin, either because they're, mm-hmm. they feel that they're ugly or because they're afraid that they're going to be like just fodder for a man's lust. Yeah. And so trying to find a healthy balance in the middle is really difficult. And I feel like it comes down again to where's your heart? And yeah. my job, what I'm trying to do through books like Backwards Beauty, through Crushed, I'm trying to help girls understand your perspective, what you just described of this is how guys are wired. At the same time, trying to help them be confident young who don't use their freedom as an excuse to, mm-hmm. um, to flaunt their bodies. But at the same time, don't take undue responsibility yeah. for someone
0: else's sin. And and I would say, to, like, and this is where it again, it doesn't take much like you you can be dressing in a very tactful, tasteful way. And it's still oh, the the guy. Is, it's, it's up to him. To, you could be doing yeah. everything. You're you're not doing anything to kind of instigate that. And it's still a struggle that is 100 percent on him. Even if you do show up in a bikini, like it's still, again, as a Christian guy, I'm the moral agent who needs to, um, it it is my ability to, to treat you as, to not dignify you as an image of God bearer. Um, But that, I think just being aware of what you said, though, that might be, as G.I. Joe used to say, you know, half the battle, (laughs) Um, you know, just being aware that you do have this modesty thing, but then you also have a lot of insecurity, body shaming, internalized, you know, Insecurities and that's not that leads to dark places and that's not healthy. Just being aware of those two tensions, I think, is really helpful rather than just oh, every girl wants to show off her body and get attention from guys because that oh, is yeah. just not true. No,
1: no, I would say that that percentage is actually smaller than mm. the other way. And another layer on top of that is I will just be honest, woman, I want to look cute mm. like I just do. And so, how I define cute is often by what I'm seeing in the media. And so, yeah. It, when I see, okay, I'll just give you a real personal, real life example. Yeah. In high school, I saw this dress in a magazine. It was super cute uh, for prom. I saved up all the money I had. We did not have a ton of money in my family. I saved up. I personally bought this dress because I wanted to be cool at my junior prom. The dress felt beautiful that night, got compliments. Okay. Fast forward a couple years, I wore that same dress to a formal function at our Christian college and the following week got called into the office by one of my male professors who, I, I, I don't remember the whole conversation. I'm sure he tried to be really kind, but what I took away from it was, you are totally just trying to cause your brothers to stumble. Yeah. <laughs> And so I here I am thinking I look cute
2: and beautiful yeah.
1: because it was in a magazine.
2: That's I had in,
1: no intention. Yeah. I had no intention of flaunting my body at this event. Not my intention at all, but I think for a lot of girls, we view cute as what we see on Instagram, as what we see in yeah. TV shows. And so the clothes that we buy, a lot of times are going to reflect that, not necessarily just that we want to show off our body. Yeah. So that's another layer to kind of add on to
0: (laughs) okay well you're gonna have a couple bunch of kids piling into your door in any second now so uh josh thanks um for being on the show thanks for being a a listener and i just i love yeah i love that we can have this kind of open conversation because i uh, i think a lot of guys are are wanting to have this kind of conversation or scared to because everything's so angry and outraged today and any kind of honest pursuit of truth if you get it wrong here or there you know you get kind of smacked down um, yes. And that just prevents yeah. good, good conversations from happening. But, um, yeah. yeah, appreciate you in your ministry. Again, it's lifelovegod.com, uh, lifeloveandgod.com. Um, check out Jess's, uh, books. Uh, she does, well, if COVID ever lifts, uh, she is, she is a speaker. So if any ministers <laughs> out there want a really good communicator, especially, do you, do you tr- typically speak to like, uh, like youth groups and or young adults or, or, or across the board, um,
1: the so board, yeah. A lot of uh, girls events, teen girls, college age girls, um, but have also done guys and girls mixed crowds, things for parents, um, mm-hmm. branching out as I get older.
0: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Are you you're forty?
1: I uh, hey,
0: hey forty is a new thirty.
1: <laughs> I'm forty, I'm proud of it. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. I feel like we're both I mean, yeah, when me, you and Chris were in Paco hanging out, like I feel like we got youth in us. <laughs> Paco's out climbing, like, 15,000-foot mountains every other day. I mean, come on.
1: <laughs> we live and work at a camp that has young people around all year round, so we, I think it keeps us yeah. young.
0: <laughs> yes, for that, we didn't mention this, but Jess lives at Hume Lake. You've been there, I mean, off and on for many years. Um, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Most people know Hume Lake Christian Camps, at least if you're out in California. You probably got saved there a few times at least, so
1: at least three times yeah. I know I did
2: <laughs>
1: oh I love it All Preston right. thank you so much for having me on this has been so fun I appreciate you brother thank you you look too and to conversations in right. the future
0: take care <laughs>